Hey, you're listening to Urban Roots, where we press pause on a rapidly evolving world to talk greener cities and urban sustainability. We're your hosts, Abby, Monique and Ben, and this season we're exploring a city that's very close to our hearts and our backyards. We're on the east coast of Australia in southeast Queensland, and we're going to take a closer look at Brisbane. The River City is actually recognised as one of the most sustainable cities in Australia, known for its connection to the natural environment, community gardens and a focus on clean air. And we're going to talk about that, but first we want to unpack those elements in the context of a rather large event coming to our shores. In case you missed it, which is near impossible, Brisbane recently announced that the city will be hosting the 2032 Summer Olympics. So, as Brisbane starts to prepare for some huge changes in the years leading up to the Games, now is the time to think about sustainable development, not just for the city itself, but to really set an example for the rest of the world as it appears on screens and around the globe. But before we get into what those developments should be, we want to understand what it is that makes a sustainable city sustainable. Today, I'm going on a bit of an adventure exploring some of the other cities around the world which help the environment and contribute to a greener future. In 2015, the United Nations created what they call a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. 17 sustainable development goals addressing the world's greatest issues with a 2030 deadline. Goal 11 is the foundation for urban roots. It relates to sustainable cities and communities, aiming to make them inclusive, safe, resilient and sustainable. The difference between aspiring to this goal and actually achieving it is understanding the elements of sustainability we need to be implementing in the urban development process. I sat down with Dr. Paul Burton, who is an urban planner and the director of Griffith University Cities Research Institute at his home office in the subtropical rainforest region south of Brisbane. Coincidentally, we both live on Tambourine Mountain, where the air is a bit cleaner and life is a bit slower. So, Paul, welcome to Urban Roots. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. You're very welcome. Pleasure to be with you. In your many years of working with cities, what would you say are some of the greatest challenges that cities are currently facing? So in terms of sustainable futures, cities can, if we don't build them in the right way and plan them sensibly, they can become increasingly problematic for our urban futures. So it's all about really how we plan our cities and whether we do so bearing in mind some principles of sustainability. So whether it's to do with construction techniques, what we're building and how we connect places. That A lot of it is about actual construction. So if we're building a sprawling landscape where we all live in detached houses in low-density suburbs which require us to drive cars, Um, then that can cause problems. But if we live perhaps more densely and are able to get around through public transport, then that's potentially a more sustainable way of living. What would you say are some of the cities that are really doing it well at the moment, whether that's in Australia or, you know, around the world, because I remember you saying that you've done this in the UK as well. So, yeah, well, I think one of the one of the problems when we talk about cities, um, especially big cities, is that we we see them as a kind of single coherent thing. And in reality, they're not like that. 
So we have to be a bit careful about saying, you know, this is a good city. Bits, things, some things that some cities do are, are really good. And I would generally say that anything that involves investment in public transport is generally a good thing because it means we don't have to sit in cars on our own on congested roads. Cities that are designed to help you get around by public transport and walking that encourage and make walking a pleasant experience will typically be nicer cities. If you think about somewhere that you might want to go, if you're a tourist, you know, the places that you'd go will be places that you can walk around as a tourist. You'll go, I like walking up and down the Ramblas in Barcelona. I like walking down boulevards in Paris. I like walking around, you know, certain neighbourhoods of Berlin, you know. Um, you don't say, oh, I, I'm really looking forward to going to Jakarta to experience the traffic congestion and the smog. Mm, yeah. Or I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm desperate to go to Los Angeles to sit on a 10 lane freeway that runs through the centre of the city. You know, yeah. you, that's not what would attract you to places. So anything to do with public transport, I would say, is generally good. Um, and parts of cities that are, that, make walking a nice experience. I guess it's also, you know, a city's sustainability depends on the individual's willingness to engage with it, would you say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it, it's the lifestyles that we choose to adopt that determine, if you like, our carbon footprint. Um, and, you know, we, we have a we have a degree of choice. You know, up here, you might say, I'd like to be able to exist without a car, but up here on Tambury Mountain, it's not going to happen, you know. I mean, you might, you could potentially walk or cycle around, you know, from here to to the cafes or IGA or whatever. But to get down to Griffith Uni, you're not going to cycle down there, probably. No no taxis or anything. And and there are no taxis, there are no buses, there's no public transport. So, you know, by virtue of living here, your choices are limited. Mm. But increasingly, I think we will find that um, uh, within within cities, the choices available to people will change. Thank you so much for speaking with Urban Roots. It's been great to have you on our show. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. So we're beginning to understand what some of those key elements of sustainability are when it comes to urban development. But a city isn't much use without people in it. Switching gears now, I want to think about how individuals can be mindful of their environment no matter where in the world they live. I figured there'd be no better person to share insight on sustainable habits across the globe than Annika Lee, a student in the Netherlands. Annika has spent her life moving back and forth between the US, China and a handful of countries in Europe. She's found some cities have sustainability down to a fine art, others not so much. There is a lot we have to learn. Annika, having spent time in such a unique variety of cities, what are some of, I guess, the differences that you've seen in, like, you know, China versus the US versus the Netherlands and so on? Definitely. So my city in China, I think, stands out as the most different from the other cities because it's a very big city, over 7 million people. And in many ways, it's kind of straddling the line between... um, I guess, modernity in the past. And we were very, very rapidly advancing towards this idea of development. Mm. 
and there was never any recycling while I was growing up. There was never really a concept of sustainability. And <clears throat> I think people really want to advance and to really enter the 21st century in a way, but that has led to, um, yeah, I, could, I guess kind of the opposite of sustainability. Like they're very like pro moving forward with industrialization. Um, versus everywhere I've lived in Europe and the United States, sustainability is one of the biggest buzzwords and everybody wants to do something to make the world greener, or at least most young people want that. But what about being sust- living sustainably um, just as an individual, as a student? Like, what are some of the practices that you see and experience where you live or, you know, have lived? Yeah, um, I think there's a good push to buy things secondhand instead of buying things new all the time, especially in terms of clothes and books, getting better at um, buying sustainably. So when we do need to buy something, where do we buy it from? I think individually learning skills like sewing or gardening or composting or even such things as foraging or first aid are really important to have hope for the future and to have an idea of in case the supply chain breaks down in case there are mass shortages what can i do in the future to help the people around me because it's very easy to look at the world around us and feel despair and i think it's right to mourn for everything that's being lost but you also have to have a sense of hope and you need to be able to turn that into action and you have to be able to do something practically to help the people around you so taking steps to learn a skill will not only give you hope, but will also hopefully help the people around you in the future. Annika, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you too. After that uplifting advice, I'm thinking more about the skills I'd like to work on myself, not just as hobbies, but as a means of self-reliance and something I can share with others. To be honest, I never learned how to sew and would really like to give that a try. If you have any skills you've developed or want to get into to help contribute to a greener future, let us know on urbanroots.com.au. We may just feature you in next week's episode. But for now, we've got Sammy Kunz joining us today with some inspiration from Switzerland. Sammy, what's your one small step? Yeah, sure. So in Switzerland, we we do like, what are we saying, comparing to the rest of the world, we have like recycling on the next level. I'll just say, and uh, yeah, we recycle like everything. We separate paper from carpet and from normal trash, and we separate green trash, and um, yeah, we even separate uh, glass in different colors and like plastic. Yeah, that's something with like absolutely normal for us <laughs> Swiss people. Wait, so. Does someone come and collect the rubbish or do you get rid of it yourselves? Well, like for, for example, for um, paper, we have to like um, uh, put it together with, with a rope and then we, it gets collected like every second week, I think. We have to put it outside our, um, our houses and then they will come with a big truck and pick it up and then, uh, yeah, put, bring it somewhere where they will reuse it or like use it for something else yeah well it'd be great to see a system like that here in australia thanks sammy so that's actually a really elaborate recycling system they've got going in switzerland but it seems to be working 
how do you think Australia would adapt to something like that? Uh, let me put it this way. If you had several different bins out the front of your house and a recycling schedule um, up on your fridge with magnets, do you think you would follow it? I'd like to think I would follow it at the moment. I live with my family, so it's a bit hard to determine everyone's recycling habits, I guess, because I would want them to follow that, but it can be really difficult because everyone's busy or they'd want to rely on one person who would be me, um, and that can get really tough. I think so, yeah. And like, I live in a share house with four other people, and we're really strict on chores and stuff, but something like bins is I, I look in the bins when I put my go to put my trash in the bin and there's some random stuff and I'm like, that should really be in recycling. And I think that's where Australia falls short because we don't have that education nor the commitment to it because we don't have the education. So we're a bit lazy with our recycling. What do you think it would take to have this ingrained in our mindsets? Straight from primary school. Okay. I think it needs to be more in education, more life skills. And I also think we need the resources at our doorstep, the extra bins, the schedules, government guidelines even. Yeah. Because recycling can be different in different states, different towns. Different cities, yeah. To know where to go for that information from the get-go. I think that's a great idea. Primary school and even high school. We Mm -hmm. didn't have separate recycling at high school. It was all in the one bin, whether you bought bottles or... Uh, I don't know, like foil rubbish, which foil is recyclable. We don't think about that enough, I don't think. No, we don't. Mm. And um, like, I do think it is just a matter of building that habit. And um, I did live in Germany just for a few months. And, you know, that first week of having to like put out, you know, several different bins on different days at different times, you know, it's weird for the first week and it's hard for the first week. But after that, there is a system behind it and you start thinking less about the mess you're creating and more about where your mess is going. With that, thanks for tuning into Urban Roots. We'll be back next week to take a closer look at the River City itself. I've got some great stuff to share with you looking into Southeast Queensland with what we're doing well on the environmental front and what could be improved on and so much more. Don't forget you can subscribe to Urban Roots to keep up with our sustainable adventures. Let us know your questions and tips for living sustainably. Find us at urbanrootspodcast.com.au and on Instagram for the same handle. See you next time.